Hey, looks like everything is good, and welcome everybody to another episode of Workflow Wednesday. This week we are joined by Mr. Ryan Connolly, um, writer and director. Oh, there we go. I forget to mute YouTube sometimes, so I hear back myself. Uh, we're joined by Ryan Connolly here, um, writer, director of many short films that I was just watching earlier today, which is super cool, and also a creator and host of Film Riot. Uh, which actually I think you host with your brother. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Josh. Josh will host every now and again. Yeah, and uh, so that's full of all kinds of cool tips and tricks. Um, it seems very more uh, geared toward kind of the indie or smaller budget sort of almost um, – yeah, I guess that's the best. That's a good way of putting it. So, just in case anybody at home doesn't already know, um, go ahead, introduce yourself, give us a little background about who you are and what you do. Yeah, I'm a I'm a filmmaker, writer, director. You know, first and foremost, producer, but also you know, online personality. Uh, I I guess you could say educator. A lot of people say, which I guess is fair. But I mean, I've always saw film riot as you know a community and something that could just you know, follow kind of what I'm doing. And that's why the show is kind of always, um, you know, like the episode we were talking about right before we went on here, um, the how to write episode, but not how to write, you know, a script right now, but how to get into writing because it's, mm -hmm. you know, that was something that I was really having to dive into a lot more and really figure out my process and a process that would be quick. Sure. Uh, so, you know, we talked about it on the show. So the show has always been something that was kind of like, you know, kind of where I'm at right now. And, you know, as we've gone on, it has continued to be more like, you know, looking back into the DIY and, and, and how you could do it right now. And even though sometimes we will do these much larger short films like Ballistic, um, you will still do a much smaller short film like Sentinel, which was, you know, <laughs> whereas I think like three Ballistic minutes was like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, even Ballistic was was longer, but it was also just a massive production we shot in L.A. and Texas. You know, it was you know, a six figure budget. It was 100 people on set when we wow. were shooting in L.A., whereas Sentinel was like <laughs> 100 bucks, maybe. I don't even know how oh, much. That's it, cool. It cost us sandwiches. We just bought sandwiches. That's what it cost us. And we found this plot of land that somebody let us shoot on and i think there was eight of us there in total there was no script it was kind of just I, you know i had bullet points of what i knew i wanted to do and we just went out and, and did it you know with yeah. what we had that's and cool. of course i have some resources like cameras and whatnot but we could have made something similar with an iphone you know it's all yeah. it's always been about the the concepts not really you know <laughs> the gear behind them although right the gear is great we could talk about gear a little bit later but yeah. um that's kind of been the thing you know it's just like um, doing Film Riot as a means to share my, you know, experience and journey toward the ultimate goal of, of feature films. And it's getting closer and closer to that. And, you know, the ultimate hope is like, you know, that I do make feature films that yeah. hopefully do well. <laughs> and then you can look back 12 years to when we first started and it was just terrible just terrible <laughs> overexposed just awful and yeah. so you don't you don't get the sense of it, it'll help you know demystify what goes into getting there how much beating your head against the wall and you know we failed big and failed publicly um because that was just that's just a part of it so it's, sure it's, we always wanted to be real transparent with our audience and you know you have like these filmmakers that they put out a short film, it goes viral. They get a feature out of it, but everybody mm -hmm. thinks that they're an overnight success where when you really hear their story, 10 to 20 years, they've yeah. been beating their head against the wall. And that's, you know, so that was, that's kind of been my main path and, and, you know, thing that I've strived towards is creating that thing that hopefully, you know, in a couple of years, somebody could be like, Oh, I really like this feature. Who is this yeah. person? Oh my that's God! What cool. <laughs> you know? Look how that's terrible cool. he was. You no, know? <laughs> well, I don't know. I think that's that's a little unfair. I think I think people who I think it's super cool to document that process to be able to say because like, could you imagine if you could see and I'm and there may be some some angle in that, but um, like, could you imagine what like Steven Spielberg's first like totally. eight, milli eight millimeter film movies yeah, like just goosing around in his backyard might have might have been like like how cool would it be to see that evolution and nowadays we can actually heck that's actually a big part of of people kind of making their break is like yeah hey i want to get to that level but i know that i have to work i'm gonna have to work really hard and and like you said put out it's just putting out content and and kind of documenting that process and the growth of it is it's, and it's really cool to be able to go back and see how for you and for everybody else, that's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's something I really love about it. And 
I loved, you know, how green we were and how, you know, not very good it was in the beginning because, you know, it shows that it, it's all about the hard work and the mm -hmm. passion that you put in, the experience that you build that, you know, it, are those stepping stones to get better and better to realize those ideas. Because you might have, you know, the talent, but it's unpolished and, it, and you can't really wield it, you know, purposefully the way you want. That takes all that experience. And I, I think that's kind of what Film Riot has shown. And I mean, you know, to your point, like seeing some filmmakers when they put out their like early childhood, you know, short films and stuff is like, that's exactly what I've made. Yeah. Really encouraging and inspiring of like, okay, I'm not terrible. I just have more work to do. And even there's yeah. some filmmakers that their short film right before their first feature that I really dug was just okay, but it was because they didn't have the team in place to bring up all the little aspects. But if you look, Mm -hmm. the, there's a confidence in storytelling. The concepts that were implemented clearly showed that this was an incredible storyteller that mm -hmm. give this person, you know, the army they need to put something together and they're gonna, and then they right. do. You know, and that, that's always, a, that's why I, I'm on the show. We're always like, it's not about the gear. If you do something that shows the confidence in storytelling and concept, like people are going to take notice whether it was an iPhone or, or an Alexa. Right, right, and that's that's an interesting point too. Uh, the the support staff, I suppose, uh, is is super important too because you could have a really cool idea, but if you don't know how to, like you'd mentioned before, just kind of the the blip of an idea for speed, right? The, oh, there's a bomb yeah. on a bus. If it goes fifty, mm -hmm. if it goes below fifty, it'll explode. That's not a whole movie. That's you said right. that, that that was just a concept, mm -hmm. and so how that's I'm so I'm going to actually ask you straight up. How do you go from that concept like oh i have this cool little piece of an idea who helps grow that into a coherent story well it depends on on what it is you're making whether it's a short film passion project where you're wearing every single hat you know or if we're talking about you know developing out in hollywood in the proper system you know they're very mm. very different processes but you know, similar in the same in a lot of ways too though which is uh interesting but, uh, you know, when I'm developing like a short film, it's just all me. It's, you know, it's uh, shower time where you just sit in, the, sit in the shower and you got the white noise and you can't touch any, you know, the social media devices. You're just mm -hmm. sitting there locked in this like booth, comfortable from the warm water, it, getting into that, you know, creative. It's a great place to get into that creative state with it, which there's actually, you know, science scientific reason behind why that is Ooh. uh which is interesting which i didn't know till recently and yeah, i was like oh so it, i'm not crazy this is a great place for creativity um you know but just thinking on it and thinking on it and thinking on it and letting those lightning strikes happen mm -hmm. and then writing it and getting feedback and i find short films a lot easier especially because of how i like to make my short films i don't like to make mo the majority of my short films are not these buttoned up stories with a complete beginning and middle and end i like to yeah. jump in after things have been happening, and mm -hmm. then I like to stop before they really finished happening most of the time. I have maybe two short films that don't do that. And the reason being is because I want to make feature films. I want to take tell these longer stories. So for a short film, for me, it's this ride. It's this moment where I give you a glimpse into something and then yeah. give you enough clues to build out the rest if you want. You know? I noticed also, that with... Uh, I noticed that with Ballistic. You, yeah. the, the audience has dropped into something that's that's clearly already happening and yeah. there's like these kind of these flashbacks of of that kind of give a bit of context but without really giving it away like what was happening when she's lit all this stuff like what actually happened that was really really cool i liked that thanks man yeah i, I love like the gift that i'm given with um films that i watch where they allow you to be a participant where you're you're a bit of a detective where you're piecing things together. And then if you're right and they happen, you're like, oh, oh, or, or <laughs> you know, you're trying to figure it out. And then, it you know, you get these rewards as you go mm -hmm. along. Mm -hmm. um, I love that stuff. You know, even if it's not obviously like a mystery, there's still you always want those questions, you know, constantly asking a new one. And, and you're it's really engaging. Now I want to know what this is. Now I want to know what that is. Yeah. Even, even like little engagements, like I talk about a lot with my last short film with um, There Comes a Knocking of leading up to realizing, you know, the spoiler if you haven't seen it, but it's not really a spoiler, like her her husband is dead. That's what's going on, mm -hmm. um, which you're not told up front. You just, you see these, you know, decaying flowers. You see her general state. You see a picture of them and it's like, okay, did he leave her? Is there, you know, trouble in the marriage? Is it, what's, what exactly is going on here? And then 
you know, she's sitting in the room, she's clearly distraught, she's alone and lonely, you know, these things are building to that we just showed an outside, you know, very somber, you know, house look that, you know, it's, you know, there's a dreary, you know, grieving sense to it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he, he leaves her a message that he's on his way home. And it's like, okay, what, you know, even more confused now, but then a friend leaves a message and it's a couple of days later because of the timestamp on the answering machine. And yeah. I'm so sorry. I heard about John, if you need anything. And then she immediately hits back to play that message again. And when she plays the message again, it all floods. Hopefully the might, you know, the idea is that all the images we showed before, you know, the bed in the beginning, half is made, half is unmade, you know, mm -hmm. all these things, um, all of that comes flooding back quickly and you register it all right in that <sighs> moment. And even that now, you know, She's probably done this several nights. She's sitting there listening to the last message she ever sent her over and over and over again. And hopefully, you know, that creates a ton of empathy for the character in that moment, but also allows you to be a participant in, you know, the story. And it's, and it's stuff like that that really excites me and, and drives me to it. But that's not answering the question. The question is like, how do you build on a concept? And, right. and, and that is a really difficult one. Often I like to build off theme, but it's not always how it happens, especially, you know, I'm, I'm pitching right now to production companies and things like that. And sometimes you just have a concept of like, oh, you might find this one interesting. You have all mm -hmm. these little, you know, pieces of ammo in your back pocket of concept. And I pitched this one and a certain production company really responded to it, but it was just a concept. I didn't even know what the vehicle for the concept was, meaning what really is the story behind the cool thing, you know, sure, the, sure. the bomb on the bus, like you just brought up, like what, yeah. who is this about, why is it about them? Why does it have to be about them? What are the themes? Like there's all the most important parts are missing. So then it becomes that like, well, maybe it's about this person. Maybe it's about that person until, I don't know, for me, it just ends up feeling right. You know, it's like, Oh, of course it's about this person because of this. And then I can do this. And, and the theme starts presenting itself. And it's really once the theme presents itself to me, like I figure out what that yeah. is, that everything kind of glues together. Before that, it's like, this would make sense. This is a good vehicle for this and to do these things. And you're doing sort of, you know, what, you know, what we've heard about like Spielberg and, and all them sitting around talking about uh, Indiana Jones and like, oh, I want him to have this tank moment. And I want yeah. this thing to happen. And that thing, it's not really about theme or, or story. It's about like, oh, cool moment, cool moment, cool moment. And then, um, you know, uh, the the real important stuff starts to find its way in, you know, the meat of right. the thing starts to find its way in. Um, mm. That has been on, on the longer form, the feature side dealing, you know, not just a passion project on the side that I did completely alone in my room, like right. <laughs> working over here with people. That has been more of, you know, the method. And with that, as a director, if I have a writer, that's a thousand times better because you have different brands like uh, you, uh -huh. know, you know feature pitch that we built out it was myself and, and two writers i was working with and they're just you know amazing at what they do so yeah. we're just kicking ideas around and then you get to talk things out of the whys and the hows and the who is this character and, and all that stuff and then you send it to you know your managers if you're waiting to send it out stuff and they have really great story feedback and then eventually it goes out to production companies and if they like it now it becomes that you know interaction of here they give a ton of notes and then you go out and you try to figure out those notes and it and it keeps wow. developing you know in that direction dang I guess that, that kind of gives a little insight into why it takes so dang long sometimes because um, for a movie to actually be made. Um, I've oh, there, there yeah. been, there've <laughs> been stories like on Reddit that um, were super cool. One, one in particular stands out of um, it was like a, a modern day battalion army battalion gets transported back to Roman times. And this guy yeah. wrote for like five days on and on this cool story. And apparently it got sold, got picked up by a production company, but that was 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the guy can't talk about it and he just kind of disappeared because of it. I'm sure he has another Reddit account or something, but like that, it was a cool concept and it, there was a bit of a story to it, but he never finished what he was writing for Reddit and because it got picked up. And so now it's just where'd it go. And that kind of, kind of gives a little bit of an idea of, of just all the work that goes into a movie. Even, and yeah. Even yeah, something I smaller too. I imagine it's, it's not any easier really just no, shorter. No. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and it, yeah, I have a lot of friends that, you know, uh, 10 years or you know, eight years, you know, something got picked up optioned, whatever. And then it, it's still trying to happen or it just hasn't happened or it looks like it might never happen. It's like the stars have to align in such an insane way 
um, that I, I don't, I'm not the first one to say it. I don't, I don't remember whose quote it is, but it's like, you know, it's a miracle that any film gets made at all, you know? Sure, <laughs> so, sure. and there's a lot of truth to that. And even, you know, dipping my toe into that world, it's like, you definitely see that because it is a business. And then at the end of the day, you're talking about even on the lowest, you know, end of something that's going to have theatrical distribution or, you know, wide distribution, you're talking like millions of dollars. Right. And then there needs to be return on investment. Not only that, they're choosing storytellers, you know, a director, uh, writers that is like, they're going to be able to handle this, deliver this, you know, be able to keep this mechanism turning. Right. Uh, there's just so much involved in it. Plus, you know, cast, can we get them on it? Oh, now they can't, we got to wait for them. Okay, now we're going for someone else. Everybody passed on it. You know, there's there's so much that goes into it. It's just, it's crazy. With a short film, the short <laughs> films are, are a little more, you know, um, a lot more fun, it, it, you know, in the prepping and doing, because you just do it. If, if you sure. decide to do it, you just do it. You know, yeah. if, if you don't have any money, you know, like I did with Sentinel, you just, you just go out and make a thing. I mean, proximity, um, which you brought up earlier, that was something that cost us $300 total. And it's because the guns we had, it cost, uh, I think they were like 75 bucks each, but we, you know, all the clothes were from like thrift stores that we yeah. just tore up and some were our own clothes <laughs> um it was a place in the middle of nowhere that someone let us use and we bought food that was the entirety of the budget That's and cool. it was it that short film happened because another short film which still would have been my highest budget short film today it, it was going to be about 300 350 it was like I mean, we were gonna have like a hundred person in makeup zombie day uh wow. it was a huge production and it fell through at the very last minute literally oh. like four days before we were going to start rolling like people Bogus. were in the air flying to us to do this thing what? and um yeah and it totally fell apart because of financing the the biggest bulk of financing fell out and uh you know for a second i was like this sucks and it, i was kind of happy because it felt like the, the ship was sinking already because the finances weren't in yet so there was a lot of things that weren't able to so i was really stressed about several things so when it fell through it was like I mean, it probably worked out, but then it was like, you know, we could whine about it or we could practice what we've been preaching on the show for years and years. This was in 2013. So we'd been online for four years. And that idea was you come across a bigger wall, you get a bigger sledgehammer. So it was like, you know what, let's screw it. Let's just make it anyway with whatever we have right now, which is this one camera awesome. and 300 bucks. Let's just do it. And Great. so we went out and we, you know, we made a short film. And it's still one of my favorite that I made. Um, and I'm, to this day, I'm so happy that that short, that larger short fell through. I would have learned a ton on that, but I think mm -hmm. I learned so much more from the failure and yeah. then, you know, what it taught me to just make something happen, you know, anyway. And that's, yeah, that's, that's cool. kind of gotta, gotta be, you know, your, your, you know, um, mantra push, or whatever drive. you want to say yeah. yeah you drive to to do this at any facet anyway it's like yeah. okay that's not working do you know I, I i know some people that they're you know focusing everything on this one idea and it's not happening and then they get discouraged and then there's so much time wasted where it's like great there's this one idea but prep all these while you're trying to make this happen right. so when that inevitably doesn't happen because the odds of you taking out your first thing and it doesn't happen you know and then it happens it's so slim but maybe they like things about you and you can pluck one of these other ones. And I mean, that's what's happened okay. for me. Yeah. I know that's what's happened to pretty much all of my friends. I only know one person where it was the original thing that they went out with was the yeah. thing that was made. You know? Hey, that's cool. Everything else is like, what else do you have? And I was like, oh, well, I have this, you know, that's cool. Don't give up. That's that's a good takeaway from all from that is is. Just keep on, keep on, keeping on. I like that. Like, I love, I love the idea that you didn't just like, oh well, just let's all just go home. But no, we're yeah. all here. Let's, we've got at least something. That's super cool. I want to take a question from, uh, from YouTube. Um, so Ant Pruitt, um, he asks on YouTube. He says, I think constraints add with creating a project. Constraints such as one lens or a single focal length, or the constraints of a sixty-second Instagram video. Thoughts? Does this approach work for you? Constraints always add something. Um, I think there is like a thought process behind it that can be damaging if it's not right for the thing. Like if you're arbitrarily picking like, you know, uh, he brought up lenses. So if you're arbitrarily picking up, you know, a 35 millimeter lens, that's the only thing we're shooting on, but why? If there's a good reason sure. to why that fits what you're doing, then absolutely. Like okay. we're going 50 mil because that's generally how the eye sees it. Because of the story, story that we're telling, we're going to stick to that viewpoint only because we want to make the audience feel X. If there's like a reasoning behind it, then yeah, 
that's great. And there's several films that have done that and it mm-hmm. works beautifully as long as it's something that's working for that. But as far as restraints go, you, in my experience, <laughs> there's no getting around having them. You're right. always going to have them. Even Ballistic, which was very large, we had a ton of people. We had a good amount of money for the thing, but we were only able to pull it off the way that we did because so many people did it for free. We got so mm. many favors. We got so many discounts. We got so many loaners. Um, we did the math on it, and it was it should have been, I think it was triple to almost quadruple the budget that we had. Wow. But because of how scrappy we got, you know, inventive we got in certain things, the way we built some stuff that we needed that we did not do properly, but, you know, we did it the way... <laughs> We wanted to. And, you know, the story was dictated by what we could and couldn't do as well. And even in the larger things that I'm currently doing, there are restrictions put on you right away. Like you're a first time director. Here's what's absolutely not going to happen. Here's Hmm. what could happen. And within that window, try for these sorts of things. This, we might be able to make that work. Or you go to a certain production company. You're like, hey, here's the thing that I want to make. And they're like, we like that. Here's the type of movie we want to make. Here's the type of movie we don't want to make. And, you know, you get those things and then it becomes, well, I'm okay with taking this concept in a few directions because, you know, the vehicle can change and the engine stays the same. And that's what really matters to me. Right. So it could be the exact same engine in like a Cadillac or a Honda, you know, but it's the same engine. It's going to run the same the way that I want it to run. So it's like, okay, I can be flexible there, you know, with the icing. That's fine. As long as the cake's the same, you know, (laughs) to use another metaphor for no reason. Sure, sure. And, you know, so there are those restrictions put on you and then you can use that to find what it is, the movie that you want to make within that, you know, constraint. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can, I have found that very helpful. Like I was having a really hard time breaking this one story on my own and that exact scenario popped up like, hey, we really like this concept. We want to do it with you. This is the type of movie we want to make. This is the type of movie we don't want to make. And I was like, okay, well, let me go. And that finally led me to a place where I was like, you know, oh, this is what it is. This is what I can do. And I was super stoked on it. And I brought that and it was like, okay, we really like these things. We really don't like these things. And it's like, damn it, I really like those things. But then you take it back and you're like, you think about it and you're like, oh, you know what? They're right. This is way better. And, you know, oh, so cool. it's even, oh, you know, man. those types of things, which are, are restrictions. Yeah. Um, that always, end up, and, and it's always, you know, coming up with an idea as well, just the, the in initial inception of an idea. If you have an entire universe of possibilities, what's the idea? You could do yeah. anything, you yeah. know, but if you start whittling that down and putting things in a very specific box, then it's like, okay, here's what I have to work with. And okay. That's why we've always, you know, talked about on the show, if you want to make a short film, well, what do you have? Who do you have? Yeah. You know, what props are in your garage to use right now? What locations can you get for free right now? What of your friends are willing to do this right now? And write that, you know? And, okay. and so, so I definitely agree that those constraints or working toward, what you do have like that always I, everybody goes back to jaws of course which is over my shoulder over here yeah, yeah. you know the shark didn't work and if yeah. it did it would not have been a, as good of a movie so it's you know i i do think there is a lot of merit to that you know those sure. those hardships that pop up and the intense creativity that you have to wield to solve those problems yeah end up coming up with you know really great solutions it's something that i do think about when you know it's like you know if i ever got to a place where I could make anything CG if I wanted to, you know, (laughs) then I think that's when you really start to, you know, have to keep yourself in check. Of course, this is from someone who hasn't done that, but just my opinion as of right now. I could see that. I could see that being a problem. It's like, if you have, you know, a blank check, essentially. Yeah, exactly. you You could get caught up in, in the almost like, it's like it's too much too much fluff too much extra like oh that's so cool let's do this oh we can use that thing and this 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 and this and i've seen that kind of it or at least it feels that way sometimes um i'm gonna pick on the matrix uh for this one <laughs> the matrix the very first matrix i i think they had a fairly smaller budget they, the the wachowskis were brand new on the scene kind of a thing oh. you can tell that it, this was not a hundred million dollar film, but that was part of what made it awesome. And it blew yeah. up. And then the next two felt, I mean, the story was there and that was okay, but like you could, it felt like they, they, they were given a bunch of money and they, they had to use all of it yeah. or, or they felt, they felt compelled to, to add in a lot of like extras that maybe they didn't necessarily need. Yeah. Um, 
And so, it's yeah. It's like, oh, we can have all these ingredients? Let's add all the ingredients to yeah. this stew. And, it doesn't, <laughs> and, and sometimes like, it doesn't come out. Not. So yeah, some, yeah. I always I think, think about that line in Jurassic Park. They were, you know, they they were too occupied with whether or not they oh, could. They didn't stop to think if they should. Exactly, you know, exactly. That's always what I think about with stuff. Is like, okay, you can do it. We can add like, we can add twenty more orcs if we want, but should we? Like, does right. it matter for the moment for the scene? Like, um, as long as I think is, and and that's always is what I see for myself and what I keep in in mind even as i move toward the future world just like trying to you know, keep it's kind of like before i became a parent i was thinking about parenting and how i was going to do it and prepping myself mentally for it. it's kind of like the same thing yeah. um but it's like you know as a director even you know with all my short films it's like you're the bodyguard of the story your your job is to shepherd the story from start to finish and you know don't let it become what it wasn't supposed to to continue allow the story to be what it wants to be and right. that does you know often you know have to do with you allowing other ideas and and changes and okay yep you're right that's better this is what the story wants to be but that's kind of the director's job to do that and i think that aligns perfectly with that it's like yeah we could do that but we don't need to do that and there has been times even in ballistic where it was like that's really cool that we can do that right now that's a practical stunt that sounds amazing and i would actually just love to see it happen but we don't need it and it doesn't make sense for the moment and it would just be that's, flashy for flashy's sake so let's mm -hmm. not you know that's i feel like that comes from a place of uh humility like you have to be able to say like wait well, hey, hang on a second yeah we could or like you know just basically repeating what you just said but it, it comes from a place of i think humility or, or sticking to the vision yeah, yeah. totally yeah. Yeah. And, and not allowing the overexcitement of like a kid in a candy shop, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> you eat too much of that candy, you're going to get a stomach ache. <laughs> um, so I did want to, I wanted to qu ask a question um, about, uh, in particular, there was one on your website. Um, it, I think it was called Hall, Hall Fight. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. And. And it kind of ties back to what we were talking about, uh, how you're kind of just dropped into clearly a story that's already like in progress. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and that's, that's a, a similar theme through a few of your short films is, is that one in particular and others in general, um, a part of an overall bigger, like you have a bigger plan, a bigger story, or, or was that the whole idea to begin with? Like, I'm just going to do this cool fight scene and have this guy at the end. Some of them are, some of them aren't. That okay. one is one of the ones that is like, this is just going to be cool because it's also like, I've, I've had like a, you know, I had a 10 year plan and then I had a five year plan and <clears throat> the five year plan is the one that really like was built on the back of like experience and actual knowledge. So it was like, okay, here's what I need to do to be where I hopefully want to be in five years. And mm -hmm. ballistic was actually the end of that five year plan. And it ended up working. Thankfully, hey. you know, I, I remember telling my editor when we were doing ballistic, uh, uh, Lucas Harger, I was like, man, if, if this like doesn't get any attention, I got to start a whole new five year plan. Oh no, <laughs> you know? I got to figure something else out. Um, but uh, the one you're talking about, Hall Fight, was a part of uh, five uh, short action scenes. I mean, mm. we call them a short film, but for me, it's like the sequence. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's clearly like a up. chunk out of a story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And DJI hit me up and they wanted me to do some stuff with uh, some of their gear. And I was like, I don't want to just do gear reviews. Like, what if I go mm. make some action scenes? Because I've been trying to get to, I had a friend up in Vancouver who, you know, amazing um, uh, stunt performer and coordinator. Uh, worked on you know Flash, Game of Thrones, uh, tons of film. The, he was Fancy. a stunt for the Flash. Um, and he, when we went up there to shoot it, they were I think it was it was either World of Warcraft or um, the the last uh, Planet of the Apes film. Okay. I don't remember which it was. It was one of those. Um, and he had he was going to be working on BFG after that, and it was just like oh, I have to direct these people like this. Wow. Is but the whole idea behind that with those with a lot of my short films is i'm doing it to either you know here's a calling card here's what i can do or it's a class for me 
it's another film school for me and it's going to be yeah. fun and we're all going to be happy with you know it's it's something we all have to add to our reel and and the audience is going to dig it and we can use that as something that's educational that's teaching what i learned you mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. but i'd never worked with a stunt team before and that taught me what it is to put together an action sequence with a group of professionals if that's what they do how long does it take what do i as a director need to keep in mind how can i best work with them to you know get them to be able to do the best work they could possibly do and and that, that's always been a big factor for me is like every short film is really honing in on something I didn't feel like I had enough experience to be, you know, the director I needed to be, which is somebody who hey. can come in to set you up for what you're doing to the most success possible for you and let you shine in that position. And to be able yeah. to do that, I have to understand the job that you're doing, how you work and how you need me to work with you, you know? Yeah. Um, it also, you know, really helps for being able to create an atmosphere and construct something to where I am getting what I want from the vision I'm trying to, you know, the story yeah. I'm trying to tell, the vision we're all coming together, how to communicate before time, you know, these are all the, so those were like, one is really fun. <laughs> it's really fun to shoot at. <laughs> sure, it's one sure. of the most fun things to do. It's one of my favorite things to shoot. Um, but two, it was like very strategic in that, I was going to go learn this um, and, mm -hmm. and, and create something fun. And uh, yeah. my favorite was Hall Fight out of those because that and Bar Brawl was a blast. Um, the, the lead in Bar Brawl actually is the stunt coordinator, Trevor Addy. Oh, uh, he's great. Very he's, cool. he's so great. Uh, we called him Kung Fu Panda. Why were yeah. we I, shooting I, that I, scene? That's perfect, too, because <laughs> so that was a great little clip. Little clip. That's fun. Thanks. Yeah, but Hall Fight was super fun because we used that that Osmo, that handheld camera. Oh, sure. So just like I'm running around with just this handheld camera with this very small camera on top. Yeah. And so I could really no get in there in a way I'd never been able to before. So we were able to construct that That's fight amazing. scene where like, you know, in a big Hollywood production, sure, you can do this stuff. They have all the toys. But on the level that I'm doing stuff, you know, where we're sub $10,000 every single time, like, no, you don't, you don't have access to that That's stuff. That's cool. So with that tiny little camera, we were, we were able to do stuff like, you know, he brings his arm up and we follow it all the way around to the block and then back around and, you know, really get inside of the fight in a way I've always wanted to, but never really been able to. Um, so, you know, it was that, I, it was that too, like, th that's the great thing about short films is they're like safety net trial grounds, like, try things. like, he here's an idea. This would be really cool. And I think would work. Sure. Try it. What's the worst that could happen? It doesn't work that well. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's a really, it's a really great trial and error place for filmmakers to live. Yeah. That's actually, that's a perfect segue into a question that we got from, uh, from Twitter, actually through Periscope. Uh, I believe I'm. I may not say this correctly, so I apologize. Mir Chaimowitz. I'm, I know I didn't say that. He, he asks, what if you already created something and it doesn't go well with the edit? I feel that way every time, like in the beginning, <laughs> the first cut always makes me like have a mild heart attack. I've gotten a little better with it now because as, uh, as you do so many, like I've done 16 public short films now. I think it's 16. That's what it and says on your website. Counting. Oh, okay. Then yeah, <laughs> and that's not counting all the sketches we do for film, right? We've done a ton of like, sure. you know, we call them sketches, not short films. And, and some we've done where it's like a minute, one minute horror short, you know, three minute horror scene. We've done those. I don't count any of those. Sure. Uh, and then I don't count anything that wasn't public. Like I, I count everything from film, right on. Okay. Um, I did like, God knows how many before that, like 50 plus for sure. Uh, so, you know, the, the further along I get, the less I panic with the first rough cut. It's like, okay, let's everybody calm down. Let's just keep going and see what we can pull out of this. <laughs> but it's always a little difficult. And if you're a director that edits, like, see if you can find an editor. Like, um, mm. a friend of mine who's further along in his career than I am, so I'm always getting advice from him, really, really smart person. Um, he was always telling me, like, get an editor, get an editor. And, and I do edit and I've edited other people's work. So I do consider sure. myself um, a director who's also an editor, mm -hmm. but uh, that, so, so when he was, he was saying, get an editor, I'm like, what are you saying? I'm a bad editor, <laughs> like, you know? But then uh, when ballistic happened, that was the first time I worked with Lucas, first time I got an editor. And it was because, you know, we had like eight cameras at one point, six cameras at another and four, three to four, pretty much at all times. Um, so it was going to be a lot of footage, <clears throat> this huge thing. And I knew, man, I'm going to need somebody to help me wrangle. This, this is going to be nuts. Yeah. So I was like, you know, let me just try, you know, and I found him through a friend and how much you can disconnect yourself from the thing that you're doing 
um, and be more objective about the thing is uh, insane. It's insane okay. with not having your hands on the tools and not pushing every, you know, one and zero, not every little tweak. You don't know how hard it was to put together that little moment that's not working. So it's mm -hmm. no problem to you to be like, that's not working. Let's do something else. Yeah, but not yeah. only that, Lucas brought so many ideas and so many perspectives that I never would have had otherwise because he understood what I was trying to accomplish. So he, he, he brought in different ways that we could get to that same goal that would work a little better. Your cinematographer does the same thing. Your, your actors do the same thing. It's all the same thing. So I've found it in, you know, incredibly important to divorce yourself from the direct, you know, connect to those things. It's why I'm not my own DP. It's why, I mean, it's not the only reason why I don't act in myself. I can't <laughs> act very well. So that's why, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's why I don't do a lot of the roles that I could do, yeah. but I shouldn't, you know? Um, so that definitely helps. Like finding someone to collaborate like that definitely helps. There's stock footage. Just look at what you have. Is this a wash? Is this a learning experience? Is this what it is? And it's not going to get any better. And that's just this, you know, a factor of experience and, you know, okay, you made this, there's things about it you can be proud of and you learned a ton. Okay. Now make the next thing and do it better. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know how many of those there are. Like I just said <laughs> it, there's only 16 films that I consider, you know, that I talk about. Those right. are the public ones. Mm -hmm. There's 50 plus before that because they're horrendous and they should never see the light of day. Well, no. I probably will. I'll probably put them out just to, just gonna, to be like, look at how wretched this is. Well, like, that's, yeah, that's, you say they're bad, but somebody else might think that's pretty cool. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> but, but even those, like, I will, you know, there's, like, value to them. Like, you can see, like, the, oh, yeah, that person. You know, people send me work all the time, and it's like, okay, you're clearly new, but I could see there's a diamond in there. You just yeah. need to keep going. You have years ahead of you to just put in the work. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. If you want to be a filmmaker and, you know, even if you're five years in, buckle up for another five to ten, you know. Right. Um, it's all about learn from the thing you just did and do it better the next time. You know, yep. even if it was good, be like, cool. You like that? Wait mm -hmm. till you see the next one. Ah. You know, never be happy with what you just did. Always want for more. I, and I can't help my, I don't know if any filmmaker can help themselves. Like you finish a thing and you're just like, God, it's not what I wanted. I'm, I'm proud of it, but it's not what I wanted, but the next one will be, you know yeah. what I mean? And it like, it drives you to, to uh, make that better experience. But, you know, it could be salvageable. You know, put it together, see what you got. Really think about what your intention was. Really think about what you were trying to convey to the audience, what you're trying to construct, make them feel. And is there things that you can go do as pickups? Is there voiceover that you could do? You know, could you cut it down? Could it become something else? Is it just a trailer, you know, for hey. something instead of a full piece? Uh, I, I've had like at least three short films that while we were shooting, I was like, there's no way we're finishing this. There's no way we're going to have time to shoot <laughs> all of this. And then I started thinking like, well, I could make like a fake trailer out of it and that would be pretty cool. And then, you know, that's what it is. And I'll move on to the next one. And then we ended up being able to figure it out and finish it. But, you know, that stuff popped into my head. So, that's cool. Um, you know, it, it might be that it's a wash. And if it is, that's okay. As long as you're looking at why that is mm -hmm. and learning from that. And the next one, you know, you know, wait till they see your next one. That's it. Yeah, that's cool. So you've mentioned a couple of times now that you have a whole bunch of, of projects that maybe aren't so great. Um, but is there a specific, this is actually a question from YouTube from Jay Lipman. He asks, is there a specific project that really solidified for you that filmmaking was your thing? I don't remember a time where filmmaking wasn't my thing. Um, I, you know, I had the, that sickness that you, you know, a lot of my filmmaker friends talk about. You just, you can't help. There's no way you can't do anything else or you'll be depressed. Like if I couldn't do this professionally, I would have to do it as a hobby or I mm -hmm. would just be depressed. It's like, I always tell the story, like I was getting like super burnt out. Like um, I was working around the clock and for quite a while, just burning the candle at both ends. And I was getting really depressed and, you know, you know very snippy with people. And my brothers were like, dude, vacation go take one. I hadn't taken one since my honeymoon. So it had been like oh, wow. you know, seven years or something like that at the time. So I was like, fine, I'll take a vacation. So I took it and it was nice, but I came back and I started feeling the same way. And then we ended up doing a production. And the second I went into production on something that I hadn't done, made something in like over a year, all of a sudden it was like, boop, I feel like me again. And I was like, and that made, oh my God, I wasn't working on a thing. So whenever I start to feel that way, so I start working on something, even if we're not going to make it, I'm writing something, I'm doing, you know, because this yeah. stuff too away from it so it's just a sickness that i 
it's never not been, even if I suck at it, like, I don't care. Am I making it? Like, I don't, I don't care. You know, I want to be good. You know, obviously we all do, but I just have to make stuff, you know, uh, express myself, make something for someone, give them an experience and all those things. For, for me, it was really, I always talk about Jurassic Park because Jurassic Park was the moment where I had an experience in theaters where I was already addicted to storytelling and, and like messing around with cameras and stuff. I was already making like little short films in my house. And, but I, I really didn't understand what I was doing exactly as far as like make a movie, you can make a movie. But then I saw Jurassic Park and the experience that it gave me being unsafe in a safe place, being concerned about people who I knew were actors um, was just such like a revelation for me at 11 years old. And then it's directed by Steven Spielberg. And I was like, what is a director? I got to find out. And then I learned everything I could. And it was like the Spielberg guy became, you know, the pastor of my church, basically, nice. you know, <laughs> and that, and that would just ended up being like, okay, a director, the director did this for me. The director gave me this gift. And, and, you know, it was chasing that ever since. Um, and then all my short films, I'm proud of them in, in you know, different ways. Sure. Uh, Ballistic yeah. is definitely high up there. There comes a knocking cool. and, and proximity all high on my list of, you know, films that I'm, I'm proud of for this reason or that, but you know, uh, all I, you know, I dig all of, they're, they're all your children, you know, sure, sure. <laughs> even the ones that didn't come out the best. There's like, you know, it was that point in time. You learn these things. From yeah. It, you know? And uh, yeah, I know sometimes, um, for, for people's like kind of just starting out and, and this kind of applies, I think across many different industries. It's like they, they kind of get down on themselves when they'll see, they'll see, Oh man, I want to be, I want to create like this. Right. And and they look at what they they do today, and they're like, man, I'm I'm garbage. I sh I should just give up. And and they they kind of lose sight of of like they should be proud that it was the best that they could do now. Yes. you know, yeah. Um, you don't have twenty years of experience. You don't have um the tools or or really experience. Oftentimes is, is the real key. And and so like you're not gonna you're not gonna just hit the ground and be Usain Bolt, you know, um, yeah. and, and so just take pride, take pride that you made something. You didn't just, didn't just sit there and like, Oh man, I wish I could like, yeah. I, I at least tried and I did something like that's, yeah, that's, man. I totally yeah. agree. It's like, be proud and unsatisfied, be proud of what yeah. you were able to make and unsatisfied with it and push for more. Like you were saying, you know, like, you know, that unsatisfied, you know, the, you know, I can do better. I can do better. Hungry for more, hungry for Always. better. And that's just like, and just even, even when you do get to a professional career and you, and you are making stuff that people do dig, mm -hmm. it's like, you can't compare yourself to other filmmakers. That's such a dumb thing to do. You're not them. You know, yeah. your stories will not be their stories. Your perspective will not be their perspective you know your voice as a filmmaker is the collection of all the things that you've been through as an individual you know mm -hmm. the way that you process the world around you and now you're conveying that through a lens you know you're showing people how you see the world through your eyes or you're asking questions or things that bother you that's why i like horror so much you know do you get to ask questions and or, or explore things that it's like you don't understand you don't understand the nature of evil you don't understand why people can hurt each other and you get to explore those things and that very much becomes from a very personal place that is no one else but you, you know, yeah. and how you move the camera is uniquely you. And the second you start envying someone else and try to be someone else, you're just going to become a copycat and everyone's mm. going to know it, by the yep. way. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, there's a difference between, you know, you look at Spielberg's films and you can see the shoulders that he's standing on. Sure. You could see, you know, the work of the masters that came before him and, you know, uh, all the other filmmakers we have now, you can look at oh, them yeah. and be like, I see you Bergman, you know what I mean? Uh, but it's, it's not copycat. It's, it's influence. And, sure. uh, uh, you know, the, the education they pulled from those things, yeah. but now it's uniquely theirs, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, um, I was a huge influence on my little brother, you know, he's 10 years younger than me and, and he's worked for me for the past 11 years. So I've been a very big influence on him. So there's a That's lot of cool. things about him that are extremely similar to me but he's entirely different from me he has different experiences he has a different viewpoint so you know we argue we don't agree on it you know so it's like even when you are directly influenced by something someone um, it will still if you allow it to morph into something that is uniquely you and that's that's what your voice is as a filmmaker so it's you know making sure you're not doing that like peeking to the left or to the right especially in front of you because that's just embarrassing you know or, right, or depressing right. not embarrassing but you know look at the 
the masters that inspire you break down their films why did it affect you the way that it did you know don't copy you know everything to where it becomes one plus one equals two for you just try to dissect what was their methodology and in the thing that they were creating that ended up pulling out that emotional reaction Mm -hmm. and chase that chase that idea because that would be your own lens kind of kind of something you mentioned before we started was was the why behind it like why why was i so concerned for these characters even though i know they're actors why why am i getting like before before we we joined the call i was watching um oh now it's it's past my brain because i i'm forgetful guy tell i was watching tell and i'm not finished but i was into it i'm i was looking at my other monitor i'm and it's only a 30 minute thing (laughs) but why like why is it working so well for such a short period of time like why am i so invested already in in a 22 minutes worth of film and that's super cool i i don't those are those are questions that are are interesting to me um though i'm not one to walk that path i think that that's the sort of thing that that a an aspiring filmmaker would need to follow and that's right. really that because I love to give myself over to the story. I'm, Same. I'm, I like to suspend my disbelief. I'm, I'm in it. When I watch a movie, especially horror films, I want to, to go for this ride and I don't question it. I, I tend yeah. not to pick it apart. I don't, some of the weirder like slasher movies are kind of silly like why did you go in the basement but like- yeah that's a bummer when it won't let you do that because i'm the same way like for a while like once i really like especially after film school like you know all the little ins and outs of how it was made so you like mm-hmm. you can't turn your brain off while watching it but then eventually you learn to turn turn your brain off oh, while watching cool. film and you're able to do it again yeah and then yeah. so it becomes so i'm the same way i love to like shut shut it off and just like give yourself over to the filmmaker yeah. and like put me on the ride you want to take me on uh, so it becomes such a bummer when it won't let you. Yeah. When it's like forcing you to be like, what? Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on, man, you had me. <laughs> oh, man. Um, let's see. Hang on. I want to see if there's another, uh, any questions from uh, the audience for, for I touch on another question of my own. Um, oh, Jay Lippman Spielberg is to Ruan as Walter Murch is to me. I'm not, I don't recognize. I'll take it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, well, okay. So you mentioned Spielberg and Jurassic Park as kind of a, a beginning uh, of that sort of the birth of your filmmaking per journey. Uh, who else? Are, are there any other idols or, um, you know, that, that you look to or, or kind of inspire you? Sure. Like the, 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 the biggest list ever. Like there's so many that are top five. Top five. Uh, oh, awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, like Hitchcock, Fincher, uh, you know, Catherine Bigelow, you know, the way she builds tension is, you know, for me, unlike anyone else and just absolutely incredible. Um, you know, Ridley Scott, Tony Scott, uh, you know, the list can definitely go on. Scorsese, obviously, <laughs> Coppola, uh, you know, a lot of the very, very obvious ones. You sure. know, but even, you know, more current filmmakers that are you know, like the Safdie brothers, what they've been doing, like Uncut Gems, was mind blowing to me. Ah. What they were able to construct in the chaos, the, the orchestrated chaos that they were able to construct and, mm. and build tension in a way that, you know, often you're told not to build it that way, but they kind of just like pulled the pin and let the grenades slowly go off of the coast course of an entire film yeah. without really any ups and downs. It's just a constantly building on tension. Just amazing. It was just a, it was a masterclass uh, of <laughs> filmmaking. Um, you know, Robert Eggers, uh, you know, Ari Aster, you know, newer filmmakers that are just um, making really incredible work that inspire me a ton. But then, you know, of course, the the older masters as well that that I already mentioned that uh, you know, we all <laughs> idolize quite a bit. But I would say, you know, Spielberg, Hitchcock, Fincher, uh, and Bigelow are probably you know some of the biggest influences on at least you know how I you know make films. Paul Greengrass is another mm-hmm. one that like you know there's little seeds in there for me as well. Just you know, the Bourne films. Uh, Those are cool. Phillips. Yeah. Yeah. So I there's there's quite a few. I always I need to make a list and then it just be the next we'll do another one an hour long and I'll just go down my just, list for four right, hours. I'll go make a sandwich. Which is, yeah, it just <laughs> all over me. All these incredible filmmakers. Uh that's yeah. I I can see where that there's a, there's a big influence all around. Yeah. 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 
Um, so we do have another one from, from YouTube. Um, uh, oh, Hakan Broderlund asks, um, uh, oh, there it is. He had a little preposition. Uh, Ryan, do you feel focusing on YouTube has limited you to be accepted in traditional filmmaking like Hollywood? Not at all. Um, maybe 10 years ago, people mm -hmm. would have frowned on it in a touch, but, pro but probably not because it's, you know, there's a difference between, you know, making vlogs and making films, you know, sure. And I make short films and I put them out. So that shows here's what I can do. Film rights sketches. Yes. If that's all I put out. Yes. Then, it, but then I'm not putting out what I want to make. I'm putting out what I want to make for film, right? Not what I want to make for film. I don't okay. want to make like a two hour long film, right? Sketch, you know, as a feature, sure. um, the short films I make are the type of films I want to make. You know? Okay. Uh, some of them are comedy. But, uh, you know, they all have a, you know, a genre lean to them of some kind and they take mm -hmm. themselves seriously. And those are the films I want to make. So you put that out and you're showing who you are as a filmmaker. So there's two sides to it. And I have never um, felt or found any issue with that. I mean, when I was early days of starting, I think it was like 2010 is when Dan Trachtenberg released his Portal No Escape short film. Mm -hmm. And that got him so much buzz in Hollywood. And he ended up you know, selling a couple of um, uh, projects he was developing and then you know a few years later that turned into him making 10 Cloverfield Lane so and that was from a short film he put on YouTube and by the way he was somebody who did an online show the, the Totally Rad show so ah. he was in the same network that I was at the time Revision 3 that's where Film Riot started Okay, uh, and that's where we became friends and, and learned of each other uh, and then he went on to make a thing. David Sandberg did a ton of stuff on YouTube. So I don't think it does at all. Um, mm -hmm. If anything, it helps because, you know, you have an audience and stuff. Although nobody brings that up. It's like nobody just, nobody cares either way. What they care about is, are you someone with the, are you a, a confident filmmaker with a unique perspective and a voice and somebody who understands how to deliver something to an audience, how to tell a story, who isn't just going to make, you know, something with a lot of bells and whistles but something that also has you know thematic weight to it and you know what's your work let me see that that's what they care about sure um i think there's been maybe <laughs> two meetings out of like 25 where they brought up film riot wow uh, it's just nobody cares most of them didn't even know film riot existed that's know, cool. but they knew the short films existed like uh, uh, uh ballistic turned into a lot of meetings with uh different producers and production companies and all of them found it I not through why. Film Riot, but because um, the Ballistic had uh, blog posts done on it. Like some some people picked up and, and wrote a story on Ballistic, but not yeah. on Film Riot, on Ballistic, the short film. Yeah. And First yeah. Showing was one of them. And that was the one that everybody kept, oh, I saw the short film pop up on sh First Showing, so I checked it out. And oh, what else are you doing? What else do you do? And then I tell them about Film Riot. And they're like, oh, that's interesting. So anyway, did you have an idea for the feature <laughs> version of it? You know what I mean? Like that's they cool. They don't care. That's cool though. <laughs> so really uh, what Film Riot has been for me is something that allowed me to do what I love and allowed me to discover another passion, educating and mm -hmm. creating that community. Um, and, and, and it was a motivator to constantly be creating, you know, kind of, I always liken it to, and it's why it's, it's why like, you know, it's a big uh, piece of advice to uh, younger filmmakers or filmmakers first starting out is, you know, don't, put all your eggs in one basket of a 20 minute short film out the gate, do little things, make a ton of little things and learn from each one and then do bigger and bigger and bigger. And I always liken it to when you're learning the guitar, if you learn on the acoustic, which I, I learned on the acoustic first, mm -hmm. when you go to the electric guitar, you're like, Oh my God, this is so easy. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, it was kind of like that when you, when you, when you're making films with next to nothing and you're yeah. doing it, all the time and you're you're coming up with all these solutions you know you're packing your filmmaker toolbox full of ideas and full of you know problem solving in this diy way you take that to the larger stuff like the biggest one we've ever did was ballistic and i still brought so many film riot ideas and bits of diy problem solving to make things work and to fix things quickly. And, yeah. you know, building that experience, that constant experience, constantly trying new things um, really does that. And Film Riot very much gave me that gift and uh, helped me figure that out. So it was happening before I knew it. And then, and then I was like, oh, that was great. <laughs> you know? So, you know, it's, it's only been uh, good things for me. I don't think it's hindered uh, really at all because it's allowed me to learn in a lot of different ways and get feedback yeah. from an audience. Um, and propelled to in the direction I was, you know, hoping to go. That's cool. Right on. So 
uh one more and uh this will be our gear question because uh, i know we were, we were kind of dancing around that a little bit early on how does your gear for youtube compare oh i'm sorry let me start over this uh this one's from youtube this is garrett reviews he asks how does your gear for youtube compare to your gear for filmmaking um is it worth having the same production quality for youtube they're pretty similar um they're pretty much the exact same really yeah. like if if you strip down to a short film like sentinel where you know it was a very tiny crew with no money all the gear i use for that is the same gear i use for film riot okay um, it's no different we shot it on the i think we shot it on the c300 and i use these anamorphic lenses that i don't and you know if it makes sense for film right we use the anamorphic lenses otherwise we don't and then it was just a shotgun mic going right into the camera there wasn't even <laughs> external audio being recorded wow. Uh, and we just shot that way. It's like, you know, it's like what we talked about. It's like, you have an iPhone, great, make yeah. a movie. <laughs> like, yeah. who cares, man? How many feature films have been made with an iPhone? It's just they lean into the aesthetic and the idea and the limitations of that iPhone and mm -hmm. they make a thing with that. Yeah. Done some film ride episodes on a red camera, on an Alexa, Ooh. on an iPhone. Recently, we shot an entire episode on an iPhone. One time we shot in a, a, a whole uh, opening on an iPhone and we didn't tell anyone just to see what the reaction would be. It was, you know, it was a VFX shot. Uh -huh. We did it all on an iPhone and didn't say anything. And all the comments were like, oh, this looks great. Is this a new lens? Is this a new camera? We like how this looks. And then the next episode we got to be like, guess what? <laughs> it was a phone that's awesome <laughs> you know so it's like it, you know it, it doesn't really differ i mean what differs is the size of the thing um film right is a show that we're doing once to twice per week right yeah so yeah. It, you know we don't have time to be precious about it we don't mm -hmm. have time to overthink we don't have time to bring in 30 people to make a thing so it's nine times out of 10, it's me and my brother, Josh, and whatever camera we have at the moment, which yeah. is usually, you know, I think it's behind, it is behind me. This oh. is actually my setup that we oh. shoot the thing with the, with the little portable crappy teleprompter, but it works great. And <laughs> I just yeah. put my iPhone on it and sure, why not? But um, that's the uh, the Ursa Mini, the not the 12K, the one before it. Okay. Um, 4.6K Pro, right? Or the Ooh, G2? Fancy. I can't for it's escaping me at the moment uh and i love the camera but we also have the the pocket uh cinema and we use that and um, oh yeah you know, we shot okay. ballistic we actually shot it on a c200 which is a sub five thousand dollar camera sure you know so it's like you know the gear is really similar but once you get into like 30 people or whatever and a lot of money's you know um being spent very quickly everything needs to be precise it needs to be quick uh, mm -hmm. it needs to be honed in and that's when you get a lot more gear going on a lot you know is it that's when it gets different because it needs to so you can save the time and move quickly and have precision whereas with something like film riot a part of the charm is that it is you know you know pop popsicle sticks and bubble gum you sure. know <laughs> but it's like i always say like when it comes to gear it's like is better gear better yes of course oh, sure but can the other gear get it done too yeah it's like yeah. the difference between a drill and a screwdriver the cool. drill is going to get it done faster and probably better the screwdriver screwdriver can get it done as well it's going to take longer your hand's going to hurt but you'll mm. get it done you know yeah and so that's really has always been the major difference uh with gear for me obviously better gear is better sure but um you know it's not going to tell a better story yeah that that it that's it um, I do have I do have a question um, for myself, uh, uh, kind of surrounding the gear um, subject. What sort of I guess um, technical issues or roadblocks occur when say when you have all you have is the iPhone versus you know the thing behind you? Um, in that sense, so like you can you can shoot the same scene like say say it's just back to back. Okay, now what? Like what trouble are you going to have with and how do you solve it with the iPhone versus something better? Well, you're going to have a lot more restrictions mm -hmm. with <clears throat> the lower grade gear you go with. You got an iPhone versus, you know, that camera. The iPhone is going to have so many restrictions. Like when we shot on with the iPhone, we shot outside in Texas, the Texas sun. So the iPhone kept overheating on us. So we ended up getting like this ice pack and taping no it way. to the phone. Yeah, to try to get it from, because we keep shutting off. And then it was like, thought. you know, direct sunlight is like brutal. So we we had to like, uh, you know, diffuse that. Um, 
getting the exposure correct was kind of difficult. We also did the audio right into the iPhone mm. and that was very difficult. So, you know, seeing the levels and everything. So really seeing what you're ultimately going to get, but then the image in the end doesn't quite have the flexibility of something like this, where you can really pull it apart and put it back together. And if you're shooting with a low you know, amount of people and you're shooting quickly, there's a lot you can do in post to like solve some issues that, okay. you know, that couldn't really sit there and, you know, massage on the day. Whereas the iPhone, there's not a lot of space to do a lot of work with it. Right. And even some of the shots were um, there, you know, I had to sharpen a lot and I had to go in there and mask the background versus the foreground so I can sharpen it and fix that because the background was more in focus, but mm. I couldn't tell because of the iPhone screen, you oh, know, so right. you're going to have those issues. Like with this camera, you're going to be able to dial in the image a lot easier. You're going to be able to shoot in much lower light. You're not going to have to, be so as concerned about well we can't shoot you know indoors at night because of this and if we do we're going to need to grab these like you know there's a lot more flexibility when using something like that you know down downright to you know to audio you know you shoot you record your audio with something that doesn't have the capabilities of a pro recorder and now you're really having to worry about the peaking and the noise floor and and all that stuff whereas you know you work with the other gear and it's doing a lot of things for you you don't have to concentrate quite as much on you know really nailing it you know flawlessly right so it that's why i always say it's a drill versus a screwdriver you can get it done either way but one's going to cause a lot more pain, but sure. you can still do it. So it's like, it's not an excuse not to do it because all you have is a screwdriver. Mm -hmm. Like if you're, you're only making excuses because you only have a screwdriver, what you really should be asking yourself is, do you want to do this? You know, is yeah. filmmaking for you? Because it's like, you know, in the early days for me, it was shooting on a VHS camera and then editing the entire thing in camera, every start and stop of the, the camera wow. was my edit. There was no editing, you know? So wow. I would listen to whatever music I wanted to put to it and find the pacing in my head, visualizing what I was gonna do over and over and over again, and then go do it, action, hit the button so you don't hear me say action, and then they go, you know, and creating that. And then if you mess up, now you have to play it, rewind it, find the exact cut. And each time it, it trims wow. time from the oh, last yeah. page. So it's like, oh God, <laughs> you know? Wow. And then I would take it VCR to VCR and I would let the one VCR play what I shot. And then I had like a, a Walkman <laughs> going into the second VCR with the image. And then I could play the soundtrack at the right time and level the audio that way. And that's how I did my stuff to score, you know? Yeah, now, wow. We have this friggin' thing that you can shoot an entire film on and edit it in there. So it's like nothing should stop you at yeah. all. And it's especially, it, especially because it's like you do it now, you do these things. It's like what we were saying before of like the more you do, the more you learn. And this iPhone turns into a DSLR, turns into a larger camera like this, turns into an Alexa, you know? It's those stepping stones. You're not gonna get there just from here to there. Some people do, but that's really, really rare. Yeah. All right, we have we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here in just a second. I'm gonna take these last two questions. Um, Owen uh, from YouTube he asks, "How do you convey time shifts like flashbacks without clumsy intertitles?" I think audience is really really um, smart. You know, we we're fluent in film language now, mm -hmm. which can be a you know it's something that you have to keep in mind. For one, you're not dumbing things down because then you're talking down to them, and mm -hmm. we all know when we're being talked down to. And then now we're ahead of the filmmaker because the filmmaker had no confidence in us. So now we're like, yes, I know where this is going. Just get there. You know what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? happened sometimes. Sure. Yeah. So it's like that's that's been a big pursuit of mine of of how little can I tell you and you still follow me is like. Mm -hmm has been like a big pursuit. Like there comes a knocking thing I talked about earlier that was a part of the thing. Like, can I just say these things and then it operate the way I want it to? Sometimes I, you know, I got more comments of what was that than not in the past. And, mm. you know, so it's been a learning experience of like, how are people going to respond to this? And again, that's what's great about short films and, and sketches. Sketches have helped me a ton with that, of doing so many things to like really figure out how people are going to respond to the thing that you made. Yeah. Um, but you know with ballistic we there was just a different vibe to it there was a different color palette one was night one was day mm -hmm. you know uh, color is a very obvious one to shift to sure how you transition to it is very like we never expressly said that the woman in the daytime action bits was the younger girl in the the past right it is the way that we cut to her that visually told you in the mm -hmm. film language that hey this is her yeah. you know 
Um, and we never said her name in the future either. So it was up to you to decide that that's what that was. Right. But um, that, that was, it was pretty clear. And I think it was the, it was the transitions that really yes. made it kind of that and, and context too. Like she would get knocked down and be kind of dazed and then it would fuzz away and, and exactly. it's the past scene. That's pretty obvious. Like, Yep. We're going backwards, or she's remembering something, and so I've I've also noticed um, like color shifts for for time time travel or flashbacks like yeah. that is where like today will be in normal will be color graded like normally, and then past it'll be kind of gray or bluey or, or exactly. you know they'll they'll change the they'll put like a filter over the whole scene yeah. to make it clear that this is like a remembering thing. Yeah, for us it was like the the future was one it was daytime so i mean that helped a ton right. but like the future was kind of you know um warmer more orange brown sort of mm -hmm. vibe and the past was you know darker more cold uh blue greens sort of a vibe to it mm -hmm. um and you know that's how we separated those two and like you said it's like you know it's you can really show it visually without having to put a title card though title cards are great if it needs to be specifically this many years or this many months for a certain reason um there's another film that I'm working on that in the script, it says how long it's been, but it needs to for a certain reason. So, sure, you know, sure. that that's great to put in there if you need to put in there, but then it's just in there once. And, but that's just a time jump. That's not doing a bunch of like ballistic has flashbacks throughout. Right. And it's right. like, you kind of, you, you find that way to set it up once and it's like, Oh, I get it. And you can be a lot more loose with it after that. Once, once you've told them once you you've told, them. you don't yeah. need to say it every time. And then uh, Adam Lorenz from uh, from Twitter uh, through Periscope asks, Ryan, have you considered an all-out character piece like a family story? I ask because you're a family man now. Oh, yes. yes. I come from a huge family, uh, too. And I've always been, you know, very close with my family. Um, yeah, I, I have a couple of things like that um, that I that I would love to do one day. But, you know, it's, it's like, uh, oh, we'll see. You know, those are really hard to get made. Uh, especially from a first time filmmaker, especially with like original stuff like that, that stuff's really hard to do. Genre is tends to be an easier way in. Um, okay. So as far as, you know, studio type stuff goes, that's kind of the focus right now. Okay. But, you know, it might end up being something where I just do stuff on my own and you might find that there is, you know, something I'm working on that's kind of a, a friendship piece, uh, but it does have a sort of genre bend and it is comedy. So, you know, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like hand in hand with it. It's like all my stuff tends to have, some kind of genre element to it i just respond to that a sure. lot i love what genre can bring to it it brings that exclamation point you know you can you know heighten things that hyper reality um to it and and, and people accept that it's fun you know for me it's fun to go more of that fantasy route um so it usually has some kind of piece of that in there all right well, cool. Uh, that does bring us a little bit over our hour, so um, we will say goodbye. And uh, and so, thank you, Ryan. This has been outstanding, and I've I've had a good time talking with you and and checking out your your work. And I look forward to seeing more from you. So, thank you very much for taking time out of your day. Um, yeah, thank you, and yeah, thank you very much. It's been a lot Absolutely, of fun. Absolutely, man. It was, yeah, it was a blast. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, right on. Um, I'll, 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 I'll get you back on later. I think I'd love to see how things progress for you in the next few months or year or so. This will be a lot of for fun. Sure. And so I also want to say thanks to the audience for joining us, um, taking your time out of your day. This is your valuable time as well. Uh, we do this every Wednesday and Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Wednesdays, we bring industry experts like Ryan on to talk about um, what they do best, a little peek behind the curtain, process, techniques, tips, tricks, things like that. And then on Fridays, we have our lab member, uh, a member of our labs team come on to kind of talk about more of the crossover of the hardware and software and how you can kind of squeeze the most out of, out of that. Um, so mark your calendars every Wednesday, Friday, 1 PM. And uh, yeah, we'll get, see you guys next time. Bye.